now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands oops Oops, 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 oops. Sorry.
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, CMR land. Hey, Blake. How you doing? Good. Awesome. Yeah. We were we were stalling. Are we here now? We were yeah. stalling to come to you, and then we we're like, well, we're just going to go into a commercial break. Then. Yes. You were playing the steel I was, drum. I was, I was still brushing my hair this morning. Oh, you don't need to brush your hair. You got the filter. Should make I, you look fabulous. I know they need one for hair. Like the the filter doesn't really do much for the hair. So and they need one for us. Are you going to use the filter all the time? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just I'm just putting on a little lip gloss right now, and I'm going to turn on my camera and see how I look today. <laughs> oh, you're going to look fab. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> fab. Oh my gosh. Okay, hold on, hold on. Getting ready. That's getting ready. Now here's the here's the reveal. Okay, here's um, the I was getting deal. compliments all day yesterday. Drum this. roll, please. Whoa! <laughs> Fabulous. It makes your eyes look a little bigger. Yeah, I think so. Kind of mm -hmm. that raccoon look, no pun intended. Oh, no. <laughs> Aw, poor raccoon. Open your eyes as wide as you I can. Know. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Oh my goodness. Good morning, everybody. How are you? We're good. So is it um so you were there's different filters. You found one that you like the best, right? Yes. Oh. I'm gonna try different ones out though. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be adventurous. Um, so some days we're gonna go a little bit more crazy. Yeah. But uh, we're we're starting we're starting the viewers off easy. And then we'll see. Because there's some right. that have like really dark lip colors and all sorts of stuff. So we're gonna come to you live. We'll, we'll try them all. Why not? Here we Do go. It. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's spilling the tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Morning. How are you? Fantastic. How are you guys? We are good. Wonderful. Looking fab as well. Awesome. Thank you. I don't know. I don't know what you've done. I don't know if you guys had some work done. Um, there's something different yes. about you. I can't put my finger on it. I know. It's just absolutely fabulous. We're gonna have to download some of these filters. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling yeah. you. I know. They're pretty good. You know, somebody was saying to me yesterday, oh, these these are perfect for like when you have to do a job interview. And then, but of course, then when you show up for the job, they might be like, Who the heck are you? <laughs> you know, I think that's like anybody that's that's yeah. anybody that's uh, dated on Instagram. They're like, wait, that's not what you look <laughs> right. like on your photos. <laughs> but we yeah. did a, we did a Zoom chat. Yeah, that's that's not what you look Filters. like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So, uh, what's going on um, today? Well, lots of COVID cases um, being reported, but um, you know, people should remember that that's actually over three days. So I know everybody was like, oh my god, eighty three cases, and it's like, yes, but. I guess technically it's um, you know over three days. So if you broke it, eighty-one cases. So if you mm -hmm. broke it down over that that time period, then you know that's still a lot. It's still a lot. Yes, those, I mean I'm not they, saying. Are those, they hospitalized? Is those, that how? The, um, I think we've it? got two hospitalized. Okay. So it looks like one was released uh, before, and um, then we've got two hospitalized. Not a whole lot of details. It doesn't sound like they're particularly serious. So there's one um, new one in the hospital is what you're saying. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, those so, 80 people are going to mingle with uh, or have mingled with other people. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had two daycares yesterday. So Tiny Tots had a oh. positive case. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. What's the name of the other daycare? So there's another daycare. 
and um, lots of bars. So some of the bars are like trying to deny it. They're like, no, 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 we haven't had a positive case, but we've got pretty solid, um, you know, and at this point it's like, why deny it? Like, you know, you're encouraging people to come to your bar and knowing that you have positive cases, they may not be as cautious. Uh, not mm -hmm. to say that they may not, I mean, they may not come as well, but they also may just not be as cautious. So um, out of the, I, I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday, but um, uh, Cotton Club had three barmaids positive over the weekend and one DJ. And when we put it up, they, in five minutes, actually put up an advertorial saying, oh, we're open tonight, come out and party with us. And they were jam-packed from the photos that I saw. Well, guess what? Someone who went out on... I think it was Saturday or Sunday night with her home kit has now tested positive and she's waiting for confirmation from the HSA to confirm those positive results. And she was hanging out at Ocean Club, not to say, I mean, not Ocean Club, I'm Cotton Club, not to say that that's where she got it, but she was there in the last couple mm. of days. Are, are the um, people at, at Cotton Club that have it still working while having it? Well, the thing is other people were waiting results and they were still working. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah. So now they've decided to shut How it down. You're supposed to be doing that, right? You're not supposed to be working while waiting for results. You know, it's these are the things that are going to really trip people up, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Anything else happening? Um, the BRAC has some positive cases as well. Our unofficial sources have informed us that there are three bartenders at a local bar that have tested positive. Really? And would that be where That's that person traveled to? And 106.1 exclusive. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, obviously wait for confirmation on that, but that yeah. person could have traveled and went to the bar. Yeah. That was positive. Yeah. Three, three bartenders at the same bar. Yes. Wow. Okay. And, I mean, obviously you're going to see clusters, right? Because people are exposing each other to this. Do we know which yeah. bar that is? Um, I could find out. Yeah. Yeah, it's curious. I mean, it's no bit like I don't. I don't personally know why people are like hiding it. Like national security, don't tell anybody if you're positive. But I know companies are purposely telling their staff not to um, tell people if you're positive, and they're they're hiding. It. I'm thinking, why? It's a communicable disease, but it's not like you know you've done something wrong if you have yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like it's we need to get out of that mindset, and that's why. I am literally naming every single company that I hear had it. Kim Airways has had it. Customs has had it. Um, yesterday, Flow had some positives. So they they acted very, very quickly. And um, they told people just to work from home. Mm. Um, you know, it's daycares. I mean, everybody's going to have it. Everyone's um, been somewhere next to a positive case. I just, I highly doubt that unless you've been in your house and you've not left, yeah. You've been next to a positive case and probably didn't know it. And as long as you take your precautions and everyone else does, yeah, you can, you can mitigate and, you know, vaccines, masks, I mean, hand washes. It's know. so, it's so easy, right? Cause let me, let me tell you just how incredibly easy it is. So my friend, um, you know, we've been trying to buffer my daughter as much as possible. So right now I'm not even going to birthday invites or anything of the sort. Um, so my friend came over on Sunday. I hadn't seen him in probably a month or more. And he's a, he's a frequent visitor, you know, to our home. And so he came by and um, he said to me, I was like reading a message. I'm like, oh, wow, you know. And then he started telling me about what he did over the weekend. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I went to um, uh, CASA 
And I'm like, Casa who? <laughs> I'm like, Casa and the Strand? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, the message I'm reading right now is that Casa has a few positive cases. And I said, you were there? Oh, yeah. You know, I went out with a few people on Saturday. And I'm like, ugh. So it's almost like no matter how much you try to create a buffer, this is just how our lives intersect. Yeah. All community. You know, I thought he's been working too hard and too tired to even go out anywhere. And here he is going to Casa a couple of nights before. And then ironically, on Sunday, I was getting messages that they had possibly um, several cases of their employees. And wow. that's just how it is. Yeah. So I'm like, let me go get my um, my quick test. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say, you can, you, can buy those from the, yeah, you can buy those from the supermarkets now. Yeah. Or not yeah. supermarket pharmacies. So Tiffany's preschool has two positive cases, um, two and three-year-old children so far, you know. Um, one class is going to close down for two weeks now. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've got to, you know, thankfully our vaccination rate is climbing ever so closely to 80%. But honestly, in an island this size, we should have 97% vaccinated. And I, yeah, I, I think and I hope eventually we will get there. You know, we that can get there 3%, when the kids are vaccinated. Sorry, Blake? We can get there when the kids can get vaccinated. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know what is also crazy? Now this is gonna this is gonna blow your mind, but there are people who have to get vaccinated and can't tell their significant others or their family members that they're getting vaccinated because the anti-vaxxers are that crazy, and some of them are actually violent individuals. I know of a person who their physical well-being is in danger if their boyfriend boyfriend found out they were vaccinated. That's that's ridiculous. It it is, and I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Is somebody yeah. at your front door? I know. Uh, no, Alexa, I think you Alexa. got a pack a package delivered. That's yeah. Alexa. Oh, yeah. Telling you a pack package was delivered. <laughs> I know Alexa's always telling me when somebody's at the front door. Or or at the front. Oh yeah, no, yeah. we get the package delivery, oh, and yeah? it goes. Dude, package has just been delivered. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Like, great um, in the U.S. Like Christmas in the U.S. Now it's going to take another four weeks to get here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything so, else before we let you go? Um, the raccoon was put down, so I know a lot of people are upset about one. that. Um, the only one that they've caught. So right. They okay. caught so the other one's still on the lamb. He's still on the lamb. Um, yeah. They have uh, put up, you know, traps and everything. They're trying to catch him. And uh, basically, they said, "Listen, you know, we know some people don't like the fact that we've had to put him down, but we've had to put him down because there's only one way to know if a raccoon has rabies." And we are a rabies-free jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So to protect that status. Although if you go um, by uh, like near Vigoro and Department of Ag, there's a sign that I saw that the other day. It says rabies clinic. So I don't know. Yeah, who, well, you can't. Well, that's where you, you want to I don't know who works there. Well, there's but also bats on the not, island. They're bats. not, they're not that's very That's where busy. you can go and get your rabies vaccination, like for the dogs and stuff like that. They're te- okay. Whatever the rabies shot is called. If you bring a they dog have to in. travel. Um, but like, I mean, there are bats on the island. Bats carry rabies. Um, actually, I was reading that this particular. Okay. I don't know. No, I was reading that the red and gray fox, I think it is, and rabies, or rabies, the red and gray fox and the raccoon are apparently the only ones that carry. I don't know if there's a different type of rabies, but they're the only ones that carry it. So. I know bats carry coronavirus, though. Carry rabies. They carry a lot of things. Yes, don't eat bats. Do. Guess what, people? Don't eat bats. Yeah, don't Stop eat bats. Stop eating bats. Yeah. Let Stop them eating. eat mosquitoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Catch CMR right now live on YouTube. That mosquito soup. 
and Facebook. <laughs> Sandy, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Yes. Have a good one. You too. Bye. bye. Everyone. All right. So good morning to everyone. Let me see how I look with my glasses on. Hey, what's up? Still cute. Uh, good morning, Buenos Dias, Elizabeth. Good morning, Miss Joy. Good morning to Felicia. Uh, Miss Morna is here for it. Irvlin is always here for it. Richie Rich, good morning. Good morning, Diamond Princess. Say good morning to everyone. Wishing you guys a tremendous Tuesday. I like that. Tremendous Tuesday. Um, Andrea's got it locked in. Um, Miss Nona, hello. How are you? Evan is here. Vernita, of course, is here. Okay. Siobhan, what's up? Siobhan, why? <laughs> what is that in a good way or a bad way? Um, Chi Chi, how are you? Jennifer, Marshall, Wee Wee, Miss Beulah. Emma says, good morning, CMR peeps. Have a blessed day. We got Jonathan joining us from St. Martin. He says, listening to you. He's always locked in. Jonathan, how did you find us all the way in St. Martin? I'm curious. Um, mind you, my friend in Bermuda yesterday was listening to the program when we went live about the um, guy in Jamaica. So we're going to talk about that this morning as well. And he's like, oh, I saw you live. And I said, oh, isn't that cool? Um, <laughs> beautiful colors. Thank you so much. Yes, a little something bright, brighter today. Morning, Larry. Mitzi's got it locked. Amelia, pleasant good morning to you as well. Alice is here. How are you? Alba, buenos dias. Estoy bien. Blissful Powell. Benji, what's up, Benji? Miss Rose, Oscar, so good to see you, Oscar. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The filters are doing wonders. I like this one because it's nice and soft and it's not too crazy. Um, but I will be trying out some other ones. Yesterday I did one that had um, like green eyes or whatever. And everybody's like, oh, those green eyes are so weird. <laughs> Wee Wee says, can't wait for the show tonight. So yes. Make sure you tune in tonight, folks, because tonight is going to be um, another fabulous show hosted by none other than um, Kevin Watler. And tonight's show will be on K-Man's preparedness. Like, this is a really, really, really important one. Because finally, uh, we've got the HSA on board, and um, we are anxious to hear from them. So, yes, that is uh, that's going to be quite the the show. So tune in. I think we're still waiting confirmation from a few more guests. Um, so how prepared is Cayman's medical system, specifically the government-ran medical system? Now, yesterday I was getting all sorts of messages about stuff that was going on at the HSA, and um, someone was saying that they basically had... Um, Okay, I've gotten confirmation. I don't know who all has confirmed that, though. When you say you've got confirmation, who exactly is that? <laughs> well, we know at least three are coming, um, possibly more. Um, so, uh -huh. so yes, um, I heard some, I got some messages yesterday that were basically like, oh, you know, this is what's happening at the HSA, um, that they had part of the hospital kind of cordoned off. And I sent it to another person. They're like, oh, they don't even know anything about that. And they work at the HSA. So I was like, I don't know. So basically, um, 
the message we got that said from x-ray to emergency is under lockdown and they're not allowing anyone to cross from x-ray to emergency. Okay. Um, security said it was because of COVID and um, they have chairs blocking off so no one can pass. So I guess they had some cases in, uh, they had some people in the emergency room. Anyway, we do know that they have a few people hospitalized now with um, COVID. So good morning, Luis. Good morning, Karen. Thank you so much. Good morning, Miss Joy um, from Cayman Brack. Beautiful. So Cayman Brack has five positive cases. Um, that is in a, no, five, not three positive cases in a bar. Um, so, you know. I think it's just one of those things, folks. I'm just letting y'all know. No need to panic, believe me. Um, it's just a matter of information. So like, you know, if I lived in, in the Brack right now, I would probably not be hanging out um, at any of the local bars at the moment. But I told you guys, I told you over the weekend there's absolutely no way that you can have um, a little Cayman person who's presented with it. And we're going to give you guys an update here in a second on that. And um, not have um, someone at the community level with it. Because this person hasn't traveled in three weeks. So it has to be the case that this person got it from someone um, who has it locally. That's just what it is, right? So Cayman Brackers, it is what it is. That's all I can tell you. Uh, just be careful like the rest of us. Yeah. All right. So yesterday morning, uh, we got news around 9.30ish or so, just as we ended the show almost. I was actually um, here in the studio doing another recording. So I'm trying to do little news snippets, snippets every day to go out around midday, 1.30 or so. Oh, this is, this is probably good news. Hold on one second. Let's watch this video and then I'm going to tell you what this call is all about. We're able to confirm that a member of the Jamaica Constabular Force lost his life in a motor vehicle accident this morning. What we know so far that two vehicles were traveling to Kingston, taking two, the two suspects from St. James in the incident last week involving the church leader and another member. They were taking them to the major investigation division in Kingston to be formally charged. About 9.30, we understand that there was an accident resulting in one of the vehicle overturning. That's the vehicle that um, Sir Kevin Simith was a passenger in. At the end of it, he sustained serious injuries and he was taken to the Linsid Hospital where he was pronounced dead by the doctor on duty. The three constables that were in the vehicle with him, one of them was pronounced dead at the Spanish Town Hospital. The other two are in critical condition and as we speak, they are currently undergoing treatment. So we are here now hoping that they make a full recovery, but their injuries are considered very serious. The accident um, took place on Church Street, somewhere in the vicinity of the Lindsay Bypass. Person we asked Miss Lindsay, if you are away to Kingston from Manchester Bay, why didn't you take the faster, safer route, that's the highway 
Well, in a situation like that, I think the person who will be transported would make the best assessment of what would be the safest and uh, the safest route. So, as we know, it's an accident. We don't know exactly what transpired because all the persons were in that vehicle. None of them are able to speak. Two are dead, and two are unconscious and cannot speak. So, we are still waiting to see if they'll recover so we can get a clearer understanding of it. The pilot vehicle said they heard um, the crashing sound and that's when they realized that the other vehicle overturned. So we still have to wait to get more detail. I think what's critical right now is that we really want to support the medical team to ensure that the officers, they, they get the best treatment. Why did he have to be brought to Kingston to be charged? So, um, you know, there's an ongoing investigation resulting from the murder of those two persons last week at the church. So they got to the point where the DPP said they um, ruled that the matter be committed to the Home Circuit Court. So they were being brought to Kingston to the Major Investigation Division to be formally charged and then placed before the court. So that was the reason they were being taken to Kingston as the matter was going to go directly to the Home Circuit Court for trial. Can you tell us anything more about the officers, the years of service, anything of the sort? Not yet. I don't have much detail about the officers. We're not releasing the names right now because they're next of kin, not yet notified. But I know that the chaplaincy unit and the commanding officer for the St. James Division are currently making arrangements with the families to lend them some support. So that's where we are now. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much. So yes, he is dead. Um, this is a bit of an update that we can now provide you all. So this um, guy, uh, what's his name again? Um, Smith, um, Kevin O. Smith. Uh, he was the pastor, cult leader, whatever you wanna call him, um, certified lunatic, whatever, um, who has, who has um, basically, let me tell you what I think happened. And you guys, I, I said this yesterday, and I think that I'm actually um, spot on with this based on what I've heard kind of happening since, right? So he was being transported. It was actually a convoy of two vehicles. And I'm gonna tell you about the phone call that I just got, because you guys definitely wanna hear this. Um, he was traveling in a convoy of vehicles um, that it was two vehicles. So in one vehicle, I understand that it was him, another suspect, right? I think they were going to be, they were on their way to be formally charged in Kingston. And uh, so they take them from St. Catherine to Kingston to formally charge them. Now there were some questions about, well, why were you taking them from St. Catherine to Kingston? Um, the reason the DPP has said is that, um, apparently he, the charges were going to be murder. So the seriousness of the charges, the DPP just wanted to have him in Kingston. And there was a special, um, you know, person in the DPP's office 
that was going to be assigned to this case. And it's a high level, high profile case, whatever. And so as a result of that, uh, they were transporting him to Kingston to be charged in a particular court. So, you know, they have like different courts and whatever um, in that jurisdiction. So, um, so in route, uh, it sounds like the other vehicle was actually in front. And then this particular one that was traveling behind had two officers in it and two suspects in it. And then an accident just happened. So what it, what it really sounds like, and I said this yesterday, because this is what I suspected actually happened from the onset is that the um, Smith decided to try to, I don't know if he might've been trying to escape or what, it, what he was doing, but he decided to actually um, commandeer the vehicle somehow. So I have heard, and there is a voice note that I'm going to play for you guys. I have heard that he actually took and um, put his, like he basically put his hand around, like he's in the in the back seat, and he put his hand around the driver's neck or something like that, trying to get them, I suppose, to stop. I don't know if he was suicidal and if he was trying to actually kill himself. Um, I don't kind of think that that was it. I think he was probably trying to escape. But the end result is he caused a serious accident. Someone actually caught it on dash cam, by the way. And so I want to show you guys this. Um, this was an Instagram. So someone actually caught it on part of it, like right before it happened, somebody caught it on dash cam. And so um, the dash cam video is I think it was Jamaica Gleaner that had it up. Let me just show you the dash cam video because they they caught like part of it, right? So yeah, so the dash cam video showed, um, let me just see if this is it. And then they interviewed people. Yes. Okay, here we go. Awesome. So I want you guys to look at this. So thank God for dash cam. Thank God for a dash cam, right? Because I think this should put to bed a lot of the conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. Um, he is dead, folks. I don't think that anybody would have faked this accident. And um, it's, it's unfortunate that somebody else had to lose their life in the process. Because I really feel like, um, you know, in the circumstances, he's the only person who deserved to be dead. But, you know, when these people act crazy they can take other people with them. And it's just one of those unfortunate things. So here's the, um, the dash cam video. So look at this, this is so interesting. Let me just show you this. Okay, so this is the actual video here. Let me see if we can make this full screen. Yes, here we go. I don't know if I received one in Saxon this morning that um, the seven weekly ones will be ahead of the day. I don't know if I received one in Saxon this morning that um, the service weekly wants to be edited so along with uh, Mr. Smith, the famous pastor. 
on their way to service vehicle overfit and the vehicle that three police and Mr. Smith was traveling in right collided into the, the, a white pickup truck and seeing it pickup driver stopped mm -hmm. and the vehicle could not make the overtake because of the service vehicle go to mm -hmm. was so narrow so the vehicle that was transporting the Mr. Smith um, collided into pick up and get up a control and slam into the embankment. Most passing, that's a lot of crowd. I must take it, Krista. So now, man, when I stopped my bike, I was in pain. And I sent for um, a, um, a claw bar and start brace, brace off the door, brace off the door. And then that door couldn't brace off, I'm going to go on the other side, but then the Java side. Pull it. And two other, but I'm going to come out, but I'm going to start in there. And assist the police, take him out. Take out two of them, two of them, fireman. First man, then come on, six seconds. Mm -hmm. Then I switch on. Carry them to the Spanish one hospital, and then when the assist the one back in the water. Finally, so the one back in the dead, when he passed the man. Because we go there and feel him. But I'm going to feel the movement. And the police man was building three months and then moved. And then they put their gloves and put on. The police didn't have a search, the one back. We we'll take them out now and put them on ground. We start searching. Check out to take off and clip in my in excellent magazine mm -hmm. and cuff. And you have any gun and step out and step out the thing on and it's not in the police. What was the condition of the of the past at the time? At the time, did you realize that it was Pastor Smith? In can hide. In can hide. But when we touch him, you know, I feel like one every burden. And every like um something that's raised, you know, that come up and it's like there's a spirit. Yeah. That spirit. What did you do? Hmm? What did you do then? When you realized it was him, what were some of the thoughts that was that went through your mind? You know what I'm saying? Father God. The spirit this she this this father God shield me. Father got the shield me shield kindness. Because we know he's a very powerful father, but you pastor, but you more powerful than him. There's no blood on the pastor. Was he conscious? He more in the neck in broke. I see him neck rest on the police man's shoulder. Okay. That time the policeman was, was dead. Because the policeman funny 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 if he could get licked. They were rushed to the hospital and mm -hmm. uh, so far underground. Um, we have heard that uh, one of the police succumbed to his injuries. Also, Mr. Smith, so far. Okay. Is this um, bypass prone to accidents? Yeah, I mean, this is a road that I keep um, begging the disaster coordinator and this relevant authority for this road. Mm -hmm. There were more than one accident. This is the third accident right here. I'm still appealing again to the relevant authority to continue to do. But see, they're doing some of the work so far, mm -hmm. but because of um, the poor surface of the road, 
most of the time we have these serious accidents. This morning, again, it is um, a serious accident this morning. And if we don't address these roads for now, we're going to continue to lose the life of persons. All right, folks. Um, so it looks like they did hit another truck based on that video footage. As you can see, another truck is there. Eyewitness who was on the scene very quickly said it looks like he broke his neck. People die in car accidents every day, especially in Jamaica. I mean, it's not like that is that unusual. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it is it is a little bit crazy that this is how, I mean, such a flamboyant person ends up dying in such a very interesting way. Um, but is it impossible? Absolutely not. I don't think there's any conspiracy theories here. I don't think anybody killed him. Listen, accidents in Jamaica happen every single day. And when I first saw how these cars were driving, even with a police escort, I was thinking, why were they driving like that? Were they actually... Um, like, why wouldn't you just be driving like kind of normal? You know what I mean? So this happened right before the accident. So I don't know if that's how all escorts in Jamaica are done. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Cayman has some of the worst drivers in the world. And Jamaica has some of the worst drivers in the world. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, the times that I've been there, and my apologies, it wasn't St. Catharines from Montego Bay to um, to Kingston. He was en, en route to. Um, every time I'm in Jamaica and, and we have to travel on certain roads, and I don't know all the roads, but that junction one that takes you from like Kingston to St. Mary, I'm just like, why does anybody drive on this? Like they should close this entire thing down. And I literally remember last time I was saying to my husband, uh, I'm surprised that people are not killed on this every single day. Cause that's just how crazy that whole, like you're coming around a completely blind corner on this elevated highway, like in the cliffs, you know, and, and you have semi trucks coming at you and all sorts of stuff. And the only way that you know that something's coming is somebody's tooting at you, toot, toot, let me through first. I'm just like, what kind of system is this? And I'm surprised you guys don't have more people falling off the cliffs. And literally the day that I said it, me and my goat mouth, later on that day, I heard about someone, a vehicle flying off of the junction, you know, I don't know, highway or whatever it's not really even a highway um and falling right off the side of the cliff and it had a baby in it thankfully they survived but for me i was like uh the way i saw people driving at the speed the level of recklessness and everything i'm just like people don't die in this this junction every day and there are people who travel that to and from saint mary and kingston because they don't want to take the longer route every single day and i'm like whoa y'all love to live dangerously and that's not the only road in Jamaica that's a little bit jacked up in terms of, because um, it's not the road. I mean, sometimes it's the road and it's the road conditions, but it's also a lot of times the drivers just driving like, you know, bad out of hell kind of thing. So um, don't worry. Came out not far behind with the foolishness I see going on here every single day, three, four accidents. But Jamaica takes everything to the next level. So it was very, very interesting. Um, I'm like, how about we just stay home in Jamaica? I don't need to go driving anywhere. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Yes, toot toot. It's like, get out of the way. I'm coming around the corner. 
get out of the way right now. And literally sometimes like both vehicles are like doing it at the same time. I'm just like, Ooh, my heart is in my throat. And I'm just like, Lord Jesus, what is this? Um, so he's dead. I'm sure an investigation will be carried out. I don't know if they had cameras in that area or not. Like I said, somebody dash cam caught, caught part of the vehicle before the crash. So uh, that was very fortuitous, I guess. Um, it doesn't show that anybody was chasing them or anything of the sort. Unfortunately, a police officer did succumb to his injuries. The other two people who were in that particular vehicle, as the policewoman said, are still unconscious. I don't know if they saw of, of, as of this morning, but hopefully they will pull through um, from their injuries and they'd be able to provide some additional assistance uh, with what happened. So as you can see, the one vehicle in the front, the actual police going with the sirens, was um, that also had, um, I think that also had another suspect or something in it. So that had other people in it. And so they said that when they heard the crash, they meet, I mean, they heard it and they immediately spun around to see what was going on. And then they realized that there was this very, very serious accident and he broke his neck. Was he wearing a seatbelt? Was he wearing handcuffs? These are questions that people have. And unfortunately, I don't have all the answers to that. I think that uh, obviously a proper investigation will be carried out. And then those are the types of things that, um, you know, that will come out of that. So big time. Um, and here's the irony of it. You want to know what the most ironic thing is? Guess what the name of the street was that he actually died on? You guys, you cannot even make this stuff up. Like, this is just crazy. Guess what the name of the street is? Any guesses? Get a Popeye's gift certificate if you can guess what the name of the actual street was. To me, this is so ironic. Like, you really at this point go, oh, my God, divine intervention? I don't know. Uh, Paula says, because people are driving like a fool with no road courtesy whatsoever. Um, good morning, Christine. How are you? Yes, Sarah. Congratulations. I don't know if you knew that or if you're actually just guessing, but the name of the street is Church Street. The pastor dies on Church Street off a of bog walk. Like, what are the chances that the street that he's going to die on is called Church Street? And he was this wannabe pastor or whatever. Crazy, right? I was like, Church Street? All right, so let me tell you guys what's going on. Let's take a quick commercial break. Um, Sarah, message me. You can get a gift certificate. Uh, Kayleen gets it as well, Church Street. Um, you can get a gift certificate. No, not Smith's Road. Um, Johan is laughing. Johan, you're so bad. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you guys what's, what's happened this morning Why I just got that phone call that I had to take. You're going to be very, very interested in this story after these messages. Beginning the 10th of October, residents across the Cayman Islands will be invited to participate in the 2021 Census. What is the Census? Simply put, the Census is a headcount of every person living in the Cayman Islands. The population count and data are protected and authorized by the Statistics Act. The information is confidential and cannot be shared with any law enforcement agencies. Your response helps guide business, social, and economic planning for the future of our islands. The 2021 Census will inform decisions on how millions of dollars are allocated for roads, schools, hospitals and healthcare clinics, 
fire, emergency response services, and other programs. Census enumerators will visit your household, ask a few questions like how many people live in your house, including their age and sex. Every person counts, no matter who you are or where you live. So have your say in the 2021 census. All right, folks, have your say in the 2021 census. Make sure that you participate. Um, thank you so much, Jake. You missed it yesterday when I did the reveal. More to come. Um, I don't care what you call him, to be honest, Harding. Um, he had a church. Up until last week, everybody was calling him Pastor Smith. And he was... Um, Carmely says he's a Caymanian born from Northside. Uh, pretty sure if Smith, you're talking about Pastor Smith, cult leader Smith. Pretty sure if he was from Cayman, we would have known this from last week when he um, decided to kill people. So they were actually going to charge him with murder. Good on them, because uh, that's exactly what he should have been charged with. Because if you um, are the mind uh, controller of anyone and instruct them, to commit the murder, both you and the person who commit the murder should be charged with murder. So I don't know anything about him being from Northside, honey child. I've never heard that before or came out. No. Let's, let's not adopt any more craziness. We have enough craziness right here in our own jurisdiction. So since we're in the topic of um, the craziness that happens here, let me just tell you the phone call that I just received. So that was from the process server who has been trying to locate Dr. Frank for um, over the past week to serve him documents. So Dr. Frank has been avoiding the process server like the plague, um, like uh, the coronavirus and um, refusing to be served. But you can't, you can't refuse to be served because you don't actually have to take service in your hand for you to be served. So what the process server had to do is all day yesterday and today, he essentially had to lay, lay wait Dr. Frank in order to serve him these documents. Now, as you guys know, um, I talked about this briefly last week, um, you know, I filed a lawsuit against Dr. Frank some, for some really, really horrible things that he had to say about me on social media. Um, 30 plus things. It wasn't just one thing that I was offended by. These are very, very egregious accusations, including accusing me of all sorts of criminal acts. Like the man has really lost the plot. And so he was refusing service. Um, he got served the original uh, writ of summons. And now um, that we have a hearing date because he didn't respond to the lawsuit, I'm applying to get my default judgment and he's been refusing service. And so the man had to do some real detective work to track him down and to serve him. So this morning he would not accept the documents. And I was just informed by the process server that he went as far as raising his hand as though he wanted to assault this man, which even raising your hand in that manner, if this man wanted to contact the police about that, he could do so because that is an offense. That's what poor Mike Adams is in court for right now. That's called common assault. You raise your hand at someone in a threatening manner, that's common assault. So um, I'm sure this process server isn't going to bother because he's like, this dude is just crazy. He's like, this guy seems like he really has lost it. And uh, that's not really my concern if he's lost it or not. Um, you know, he has been um, served now. And so we shall uh, see him in November in court. And I'll keep you guys updated. So he had to drop it at his feet. Like, who does that? Every single time I've ever been sued in a lawsuit, I godly accept the documents. I have never um, ran from a process server, hidden from a process server, or refused to accept documents. I take them and I sign the little piece of paper. No problem. 
It's just so incredibly bizarre. I mean, you got the balls to say what you did and to continue to say stuff and to continue to post stuff all over social media, but you don't want to now deal with it in a court of law where the judge will even even this out, you know, he'll iron this whole thing out. To me, it's just really, really shocking. Um, but <clears throat> there you have it. And speaking of, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, but speaking of other hot messes of a situation in court, uh, last week <clears throat> I got served some documents to appear in court because remember now, with the John Felder matter, um, that is being appealed. And I've got attorneys, thankfully, now working on that. But the um, he owes like so many people money that one of the people that he owes money for is trying to come after that judgment. And it's called a garnishee order. And the garnishee order is basically when somebody else comes into money, you're trying to quick time get your hands on that money because they owe you money. So this is the second time that this poor guy has tried to get his hands on money that Felder has um, come into because he owes a considerable amount of debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars to other people. It's all in the joint liquidators report. So now I have, I have to go to court. Listen, how crazy this is. Somebody, um, I think it's Paul Deegan that posted up on Facebook about this. He's like, how crazy is this? But now I have to go to court in a separate hearing uh, related to this garnishee order. And so I will be in court. Um, what day is that? I think it's like the second or third week of November in relation to that as well. So super, super crazy. And in November, I'm also appealing the criminal case decision um, that I was convicted in. That's my only conviction. And I am appealing that as well. So November is going to be a very, very busy month for court cases. By the way, <clears throat> we didn't really get a chance to um, talk about this much. And I'll just briefly, briefly mention it. But do you guys remember... Uh, Cliff Cliff Groves, right? So this is the guy who was alleged that he um, had brought these Honduran men here uh, during quarantine. I mean, we're still quarantining, right? Had them quarantined on the promises of having jobs available for them and then reneged on that and said that he didn't have any jobs. And there's a bunch of voice notes, you know, of him and it was a bunch of back and forth and whatever. And um, the contractor, the company he was working for, the development company, Davenport Development, was uh, made aware of, I guess their phone was probably ringing off that morning, of these accusations against uh, Mr. Grooves. And um, basically, they decided to cancel their contract with him. Well, he is suing them. Did you guys see this last week? On CMR, Cliff Grooves, uh, 55 years old, he is suing them um, for what he claims is breach of contract after they canceled the contract in July. So he claims that he has lost um, almost $300,000 on this contract. And he's also claiming reputational damage as a result of the manner in which the contract was canceled. And so this is something that will be litigated. And I'll keep you guys updated on how this one goes, because this is very, very interesting. Uh, <clears throat> he seems to believe uh, that people do not have a right to cancel a contract. And listen... You can enter into contract and you can, uh, there's certain things that you can do in terms of the contract. Now, if you change the terms of the contract, normally you can't do that unilaterally, but uh, you can um, terminate contracts. People terminate contracts every single day. Uh, not every termination of a contract, just because you've terminated a contract, that doesn't mean 
that you've done so in a way that would give the other person some legal recourse. And apparently um, Cliff Grooves seems to think that uh, that is the case. Now, remember, he is the former premier, Mr. Adam McLaughlin's brother-in-law. And uh, there there'll be people who will tell you that he has quite the reputation, especially when it comes to um, immigration infractions, alleged immigration infractions and so on. And it seems like he got a lot of protection simply because of who he was related to. That's, that's what the streets are talking. That's the allegation that's out there. Um, but, you know, the playing field has been evened, I think, a lot of times uh, when CMR exposes people. We've, we have voice notes from this man. You guys heard the voice notes for yourself where he is admitting and telling his employees that he intends or he has put in a work permit for them for a lesser position to save and work permit fees. That's what he said in his voice notes. There's no doubt that that's the man's voice. You heard numerous voice notes where basically he's saying that he's going to be, that's that's commit, that's fraud on the Cayman Islands government and the immigration system. And you have a voice note, like how much more, um, you know, indisputable can you possibly get in terms of someone saying that they're going to commit an offense? Like, seriously, um, people have been committed with way less, uh, convicted with far less evidence than somebody's voice note and admitting it. So, um, you know, unfortunately, it, it is it is what it is. And he um, will probably have no repercussions as a result of those voice notes and as a result of that immigration breach, because again, the immigration law doesn't seem to have any um, real truth to it, uh, real, real, truth, real teeth to it. And so, you know, it is what it is. Quite unfortunate. But anyway, he's decided to sue the developer Davenport. And of course, they um, his lawyers are Chapman's. I don't even know who Chapman's is. I've never even heard of them. Um, but anyway, whoever they are, like I said, lawyers will pretty much take any case, uh, whether it has any merits or not. And so this will be one to watch, and we will definitely keep an eye on it for you. Um, I'm guessing that this contract was a substantial contract for him, and it's probably the only real contract that he had. And, um, you know, sometimes in this day and age, you do things, and you have to pay the piper for your poor decisions almost immediately. It's not like years ago where you were protected and you could do anything to people, um, especially foreign workers, and you got away with it. Listen, foreign workers come to CMR every single day and they lodge their complaints. Now, I know some of you have in your head that CMR is anti-expat, but um, that's not the case at all. We are pro-Caymanian, but we're pro doing the right thing regardless of who you are. So, you know, we've got expat friends of the show. Um, in fact, I think probably some of our biggest fans are expats, um, people in the com Filipino community, Jamaican, Spanish people, you know, people from Latin America, South, all over the place. Um, the CMR, you know, fan club is far and wide. And um, I don't really care who you are. Um, you don't get to not follow the laws. And, and I feel particularly egregious as someone who has lived as an expat in somebody else's country to know that people come to our country and they're being treated in such a manner that really brings disrepute on us as a country, right? So if, if, it, if it's Cliff Grooves or anybody else that's out there mistreating their workers, that's not right. You know, you shouldn't bring people here with the promise of a particular wage, certain benefits, 
that are mandated by law and all these other things and then don't deliver on that or harass them or, you know, treat them poorly or, you know, that's just not right. And so to me, it doesn't matter who the offending party is. It doesn't matter if they're a Caymanian or expat, just like it doesn't matter who the victim is. You know, if the victim's an expat, what difference does that make? You shouldn't be breaching the law as it relates to people. I think, unfortunately, with expats, they are in a unique situation because a lot of them are afraid to speak up because they're afraid of work permits getting canceled and that sort of thing. But more and more, I'm finding that Caymanians are equally as afraid to speak up because they don't want to lose their jobs. We had other complaints about this guy. And um, that person was a Caymanian and they're like, you know, I'll speak on it, but there's very little that I can say right now because um, the guy still owes me money and I'm still trying to get paid. So they were holding out and sharing the entire story in hopes that they could actually get a paycheck. Now, when this story went up, quite interestingly enough, we did have some, um, some other people who came forward and who talked about their experiences with uh, this man. And you know, one of them was very, very interesting. Let me see if I can pull it up on my phone here. Um, Because this one, you know, made allegations of being owed a lot of money. Um, mm -hmm. So they said, you know, that this was the reason for their comment a couple years back um, when he was deep in drugs. He injured my husband with a lawnmower blade and cracked my husband's skull. My husband was in, cover re was in recovery for a long time. The ambulance took my husband to the hospital and police were involved, which meant, which meant that uh, Groves was heading back to Northward. Him and his family convinced my husband to drop the charges in return for, um, hold on, let me tell you the amount because they corrected the amount, in return for um, $8,000. And uh, my husband ended up signing and freed Grooves. To this day, the agreement was not honored and Grooves and all his family don't even speak to my husband. His brother has knowledge of the whole situation. His mother has knowledge of the whole situation and encourages Grooves and his dishonesty and told my husband to leave their property whenever my husband tried to collect the money. Since my husband was under my government insurance at the time, they didn't pay a red cent. Um, the whole family down to the police brother is very dishonest and wicked and karma is get, it, karma he gets at last. Hope he feels a little pinch. So first of all, um, this demonstrates the mistake that you can make when you're dealing with people. You never enter into an agreement with someone um, when it comes to, oh, let's not press criminal charges and instead allow someone to pay their way out of a situation. In fact, I'm pretty well sure that that, is, uh, that might be an offense for someone uh, agreeing to do that, a victim. Now, what you can do is, um, I this is what I would have done, File your criminal charges uh, because that is assault and that's injury. Let the law deal with it. And then you turn around and you sue the person in civil court. And you probably would have gotten way more than $8,000 for your husband's head, crack, skull, and injuries. You see, this is where don't do these side agreements because in the end, it doesn't actually help you. And in fact, the irony of it, remember last week we were talking about the sexual assault victim who in a criminal court got no um, justice. And a lot of us think that she was, that that decision was completely wrong. You know, some people are saying, well, why doesn't she take him to civil court and sue? 
uh, the burden of proof is far less in civil suit or civil court, and um, she would probably win. I don't know why people in Cayman don't do stuff like that. Americans are a little bit different. So if you were in the States, you'd definitely be sued in a civil court for those types of injuries. But the bottom line is you can, you know, don't let people finagle you into um, anything. You can be sued uh, separate and apart from a criminal allegation. So keep that in mind. So good morning, King K. He says, this is Tommy watching on YouTube. Damien, good morning. <clears throat> says, just another exploiter. Good morning to the beautiful Lily. Good morning, Anne Dean. How are you? Um, Louis is also joining us. Sherry Ann is here. Johan says, hashtag just saying. Yes, honey, chill. Just saying. So uh, let's talk about the little Cayman breach. Um, not really a breach, but the man and, and little Cayman who has tested positive for COVID. Uh, Odette, how are you, my love? So here's the thing. We we revealed on, was it Saturday? Sunday, Saturday evening, that um, a man was on Little Cayman um, and uh, he traveled to all three islands in the space of 24 hours. So what he did was he went, he left Little Cayman, went to Cayman Brac, he works for Public Works. Then he went from Cayman Brac to Grand Cayman, did whatever here. And then literally as he's at the airport trying to get back the following morning, 24 hours, as he's trying to get back to um, Little Cayman, he gets a phone call that says, exit the airport right now. You're, you're COVID positive. And so they've taken him and they put him in quarantine. So uh, it's a hot mess of a situation. <clears throat> and so we reached out. I told you guys yesterday that I would have re reached out to the HSA to find out uh, what, how many people are actually vaccinated on the sister islands because we haven't really ever heard these numbers before. So I'm happy to tell you all that I do have some updates on this situation. So what we have is, um, okay. <clears throat> so what we have is some information. So we, in September um, until now, this is what the HSA has shared. They did, um, so FH team, FH would be, I wonder if they meant to say PH, public health. Um, but anyway, they've done some proactive COVID screen, screening from September the 19th until now. So they've done 595 swabs. Um, FH, no, that can't be. It says after the current outbreak in Cayman, FH team has done proactive uh, COVID screening starting for September the 19th. And they've all tested negative. What is, what is, hold on. Let me get this clarification. Um, so I'm assuming that that's a little Cayman because our question about testing was in relation to um, the sister islands. So I think I see them typing. So I think they've actually listened to Purunga. I'm trying to understand to make sure I tell you what this correctly says. So um, in both uh, Cayman Brack and Little Cayman, we have 1,860 people who are vaccinated. So actually 95%, this is amazing actually for Little Cayman, 95% of the Little Cayman population is actually vaccinated. 
and 83.5% of Cayman Brat is vaccinated. So look at you go, Sister Islands. They're doing better than us. 95% of Little Cayman, this is perfect. Uh, unfortunately, that 95% did not include, include Oh, Faith Hospital. Thank you. I was thinking, who the heck is FH? Ah, so FH is the Faith, Faith Hospital team. So I'm assuming um, uh, 595 swabs, is that then for a little Cayman? Or Cayman Brack? Okay. So just getting some clarification here, but I'm impressed with little Cayman's vaccination numbers. Unfortunately, this particular individual who tested positive happens to be an anti-vaxxer and uh, apparently has been all over social media talking about not being vaccinated. <laughs> and so um, he's gotten COVID. Now he's in mandatory. Thank you, Philip. Yes, Faith Hospital. Um, so he's in mandatory quarantine at the moment. Good morning, Ralston. Thank you so much. We're looking extra good because of some computer technology um, that's adding a little bit of blush and stuff to the face and the lashes a lot. You know, lashes make all the world a difference. Oh my gosh, you look so good with lashes on. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the situation at present. And, um, you know, I guess we'll see. Where would he have gotten COVID from though? That is the million dollar question. Like I said, in my mind, they better start swabbing everybody in Little Cayman because somebody else has got it. Now, the irony of it is if you travel between Little Cayman and Cayman Brack, there's no need to be tested. So I noticed some comments on this article where someone said this is a prime example of the fact that vaccination cannot only be applied to guest workers. There must be a system of testing the local population and getting them vaccinated as well, or the program is obviously going to fail. Well, I think what the how the government is looking at it is the vast majority of people here are actually guest workers. The irony of that, the vast majority of people in the Cayman Islands kind of fall into that category. At least it's a 50-50 split in my mind, right? Uh, so if that is the case, then you're still going to maintain um, and probably reach that high level of vaccination. And certainly you're not going to be allowing people to come in who are unvaccinated, which is a good thing, I do believe. So um Super, super, um, I mean, I, I do think that other categories should follow suit. And some employers are now saying, listen, you know, if you want to work here, you've got to get vaccinated. So let's just review what we know. Um, a lot of people... Uh, a couple of things that have come up over the last couple of days. So some people have this argument about natural immunity versus vaccine acquired immunity. I thought that we had addressed this sufficiently to kind of put it to bed. But the professionals have said that um, the best combination is natural immunity plus vaccine immunity. But what ends up happening is for you to get it naturally, there's only one way for you to get it naturally. And that's for you to have a, an infection. Now we have been living again in an amazing bubble and the bubble that we are living in uh, basically has demonstrated that 
um, you know, a lot of people here are not getting particularly sick yet. So as the number of infections increase, we do see the hospitalization, hospitalization numbers, excuse me, increasing as well. And it's only a matter of time before one of those hospitalization numbers one day is going to result in someone being extremely sick and or dying. Somebody just sent me this graph. Thank you so much. Now look at this. Travel cases versus community cases. Folks, the numbers have flipped in the most amazing way. So it used to be the case that um, transmission was mostly being brought in by people traveling in. Now we know that the vast majority of positive cases is actually community transmission. So it's flipped 100% the other direction. So initially early in the year, um, so not even early in the year, we can see September going into October, right? All the people coming in, it was travelers, travelers, travelers. And then we had that outbreak around the 9th of October, or September, my apologies, with um, community transmission cases. And now look at this graph. Isn't this amazing? Uh, you do the math, folks. But the math says we had a total number of, what was the total number yesterday? So two travelers tested positive on exit from quarantine. This is since Friday. So this is three days worth of reporting. And everybody else, the other 81 were community positive cases. Mm -mm 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 -mm. That is crazy. Yeah. This is where it's at, folks. So 13 are children, but that still is a significant number. So who's who's a mathematician here? Let me just pull up my calculator. 81 minus 13. That's still 68 persons that are adults. So I know for, for a little minute there, I feel like kids were um, trumping everybody else in terms of um, their COVID positives. Now let's have a look at the cases, right? So I want y'all to pay attention to what I'm about to show you. And for every person who says, oh, well, you know, the vaccinated can get it too. I don't know why people keep saying that because there's a couple of things that you need to keep in mind that if you're really, really paying attention, you wouldn't even bother to make that comment. And here's why. Here's the, here's the statistical information. Um, okay. So 83 new cases, 81 of the 83, community transmission, mm -hmm. and 13 of those are children. So 68, or adults. All right. So where's my percentage calculator? Anybody can do the percentage math. Hold on. So what percentage is that of that? Um, hold on. Um, so what is 68% of 81? I mean, 68 of 81. 
that's 55% are adults. So I think what they should do with this graph, right? Because they've now told us that 51% of those are unvaccinated. So we know automatically that no child, I'm assuming, but it does depend on the age of the child. So this is where I would really, really be grateful to the Cayman government if they broke this information down in a little bit more of a meaningful way. So if I know that 68% or 68 people minus, that's, that's the adult population, right? Minus 51. Okay, so that means that only 17, this is a little bit of an assumption here. Because again, the problem with these numbers is it doesn't give us, like we break it down further. Let me know of the vaccinated, um, how many of those are travelers? So we're all three travelers vaccinated, we're all three travelers not vaccinated. Give us that information based on travel status, as well as um, adults, because remember teenagers can get vaccinated. So when they say uh, 13 children, is that a 14 year old, a 15 year old, a 16 year old, that's still a child that could be vaccinated. So I would like to know five to, what is it that can't get vaccinated? How many in that specific age group accounts for this unvaccinated number? Because the truth of the matter is, if you have 68 adults, let, let's assume, and again, this would be an assumption on my part because they haven't provided us with enough information, but let's assume that the unvaccinated um, included the children, right? So remove the children, um, so 51 unvaccinated. So take 13 out of that. All right, so that means that 38 persons were actually unvaccinated. Yeah, so we are assuming that all 13 children are ineligible for vaccination. Like I said, I don't necessarily know that because the definition of a child could include a teenager who actually is eligible to be vaccinated. But let's assume they're not. All right, so that, that leaves uh, 38 adults, I suppose, um, who are unvaccinated out of the 51. So what percentage is that? Uh, am, I, am I doing the math here right? You guys might wanna help me with this. So 38 out of 51. Oh, is that right? I think my math is off here. So 51 unvaccinated, remove the children, and that gives you the 38, right? So take out a 13. And then what percentage of that? That's um, still a pretty big percentage, even after, even if you account for the children. I mean, that's 38%. I wish, I wish the H, I don't know if it's the HSA or whoever does this number. So that's at least 30% of the 81. That would be a significant number if those are all adults. But you see the importance of like this, this really does become a numbers game. This is why you really do want to get as many people vaccinated as possible. Because 30%, there, there's no reason why we should have 30% of our population that is unvaccinated. Now, yesterday I was on social media 
as I am every day. And I was having a look at, um, it actually came up on my, I think it was Instagram timeline. And Instagram had up a picture of a lady. Oh, look, here it is on, um, here it is on, uh, let me show this to you. This is so fascinating. So we're now at 79% having received the first dose of a vaccine and 76% having received two dosages. Um, let me show you guys this, cause this is so fascinating. Polio. Now I don't know nothing about polio in the real world cause I wasn't born during this era. Some of you might remember this, but look at this. This lady, her name is Martha Layard. She was um, diagnosed or she contracted polio at the age of five back on June the 8th of 1953. So this is like 20 years before I was even born. Okay, now she um, spent six months in the hospital where she's put in a ventilator called an iron lung to help her breathe. So you see this, this machine, that's her, I guess, and this is a little machine. And to this day, she is one of only two people in the United States who still depend on the iron lung to survive. Isn't this amazing? This kind of educates us because I don't feel like most of us have any knowledge or remembrance of much of anything about other communicable diseases and how horrible they were, right? So in the first half of the 20th century, the disease, disease known as poliomyelitis panicked Americans, just like COVID today. Polio stopped ordinary life in its tract. Tens of thousands were paralyzed when the virus attacked their nervous system. Many were left unable to walk. And in the worst case scenarios, breathing muscles stopped working and they were placed uh, in a lung iron lung, which is a large machine that fits their entire bodies from the neck down. The devices are giant ventilators about seven feet long and patients lie inside of it with just their heads resting out. A seal around the patient's neck creates a vacuum. Um, and this woman apparently is still living like this. I'm gonna share this link with y'all. A quick announcement, Radiotopia presents as a new show that we're really excited about. It's called S-Hole Country. And yes, it means what you think it means. It's an eight-part audio memoir about achieving the Ghanaian American dream. And the show follows up. Anyway, you guys need to go listen to this. This is super interesting. So polio vaccine became widely available in 1955. Millions of Americans were vaccinated. The iron lung, oh, sorry. The iron lung became obsolete and they stopped even manufacturing it in the late 1960s, thanks to vaccinations. But apparently this woman, because there are other technology available, um, other forms of ventilators and so on. I'm not really sure why, but um, she has opted to continue to use her iron lung. And now she is, how old is she? She's 67 years later. So um, 67, hold on now. She would be... 72 and she still sleeps in this thing every single night oh my god if you are claustrophobic this would be your worst nightmare 
Isn't that crazy? So she's got one of the few um, of these machines, these iron lung machines that are even left. It says here that her biggest challenge is maintenance. I can imagine. Nobody's alive who knows anything about it. The iron lung needs parts switched out every few months and no one makes them anymore. So when her machine started breaking down in the 1990s, she had to find a replacement. She went to hospitals and museums and they'd all thrown them out or didn't want to part with what was part of their collection. So she found one from a man in Utah. Um, and it says here that she spends most of her time alone and has gotten trapped in the iron lung. Wow, that's just crazy. So go listen to this. It's very, very interesting. It talks about her iron lung. And, uh, you know, again, my God, um, it's amazing to me that in this day and age, we can still hear of stories like this, thanks to modern technology. We can still hear, you know, an interview by her. Uh, listen to this, because you, this is a way that you educate yourself, I fancy, about things that you know nothing about. I don't know anything about polio. I can't, I have no reference point. I can't say, oh yeah, well, you know, I remember when I was a kid, um, so-and-so got polio. I don't know anything about that life. Not a thing. But I do find it fascinating. This is part of medical history, part of vaccine history, that entire diseases such as polio have been eradicated because of vaccinations. Now, I, I think about it a lot and I think, wow, if, if this was available in this day and age, how many anti-vaxxers would be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to take the polio vaccine? Well, back then you didn't have a choice. In America, they went door to door and vaccinated people, gave you no choice whatsoever. And can I tell you that you better believe the vaccines of that era <laughs> were not as safe and did not go through the same safety protocols, et cetera, as the vaccines of today, of what, 67 years later. It's a whole other ball game when it comes to safety of vaccines. And still, um, you know, it was, uh, it was what it was. I don't know who else likes NPR, but I'm a huge NPR fan. They, they do a lot to educate me and I've listened to them. Um, I feel like my entire adult life. And Tampa, I used to listen to the local NPR station there. And then Miami has one, they're all online. You can listen to their, oh my God, they have some amazing shows that they do. Um, every Saturday morning, I used to listen to a show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And it was these two brothers who were um, in the car business. They're like, um, I think they actually had a mechanic shop. And they did an entire show around like people calling, oh, my car is doing this and this and this. What do you think it is? And because of their wealth of experience, they would talk about and diagnose people's car problems without ever seeing your car, which to me is amazing. But they'd go, hmm, based on what you've described, and we know this particular thing about this model Ford or whatever, you probably got a piston misfiring. I don't know anything about cars, but I'm just saying. And, you know, they would get updates like, oh, my God, you were absolutely right. My mechanic couldn't figure it out, but that's exactly what it was. These guys were so knowledgeable. And then many, many years ago, they were both up in age and um, the show came to an end. And I was like, oh, and I don't even like cars. Like, I'm not into I'm not a car person like that. But I used to really enjoy their show because they were entertaining. They're really funny. And uh, I got to learn something about a subject that I knew nothing about, which was cars. But NPR has some amazing um, shows. One that, um, you know, I should have known when I met my husband, 
that he was a real keeper when I found out that he actually listens to, I don't think he listens to NPR like all the other shows, but there's one show that he listens to called, um, oh God, what's it called again? Oh my God, it is so good. They have the most interesting, uh, let me see. He's always sending me reminders to listen to a particular episode. They have the most interesting, um, um, let me just think about some of the stuff that he sends me. He's always sending me podcasts to listen to. But this this NPR um, one, and sometimes I share them. I got April Cummings onto it one day. I sent her one. She's like, "Oh, I like this podcast. It's really, really good." It's called "What the Heck Is Our NPR Show That We Listen To All The Time?" Uh, let me ask him. But they have a lot of really, really fantastic shows. There's one, uh, and this one like follows like, oh, they do the most interesting topics. Um, this one does. Um, oh God, I can't remember, but this is really interesting, like, oh, let me see, Plan Planet Money is good. So if you want to learn about, you know, things related to money, fiscal responsibility, whatever, that one's really, really good. This one is called, um, uh, there's one called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. It's not that one. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. They have a lot of. Um, they have a lot of podcast shows, but anyway, it'll, it'll come to me and I'll tell you guys what the name of it is. Go check it out. They do the most interesting podcasts. Um, um anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll figure that one out for you. Hmm. All right. So Damien, uh, oh, so Lily says that this guy managed to go to the Black Flight Friday or not. So he went from Little Cayman to Cayman Brack, from Cayman Brack to Grand Cayman on Friday. Saturday morning, he's in Grand Cayman, so overnights in Grand Cayman. And then on uh, Saturday morning, he was trying to get back to Little Cayman. Paul, good morning. So he did go to the Brack, but on the leg coming this way. So Damon says, why are they still quarantining vaccinated frontline workers who, be, who come back negative? Mm, so you mean when they're exposed? I'm not quite sure I'm following that question. So Rachel says if everyone, almost everyone is vaccinated, almost all the breakthrough cases will be vaccinated people because it's the bigger population. However, in every country, everywhere, the vast majority of people who get seriously sick and need oxygen are those who are unvaccinated. Oh yes, the NPR show is called Hidden Brain. Look this up, folks. If you like to learn uh, something new, uh, believe me when I tell you that you want to start listening to Hidden Brain. The most fascinating topics in the world. Everything from why anti-vaxxers think the way they do. Why, um, look, at, it, this is what it says. I know I've mentioned this on the show before. 
Hidden Brain explores unconscious patterns that drive human behavior and questions that lie at the heart of our complex and changing world. So here's one from October the 25th. And the, the guy who, who narrates this show has the most interesting voice. Uh, this one says, we broke the planet. Now what? We actually have broken the planet, believe it or not. Um, the halo effect. Ooh, I missed that one. Got to listen to some of these. Here's another one, being kind to yourself. And you would be shocked and surprised at, um, you know, what you learn. So being kind to yourself says self-criticism is often seen as a virtue. But psychologist Kristen Neff says that it's a better, there's a better path to self-improvement, self-compassion. She says people who practice self-compassion are more conscientious and more likely to take responsibility for their mistakes. Hmm. Interesting. So here's one from October the 7th. When you need it to be true. Oh, listen to this topic. Uh, when we want something very badly, it can be hard to see warning signs uh, that might be obvious to other people. This week, we bring you two stories about how easy it is to believe in a false reality, even when the facts don't back it up. Oh, my God. I feel like we all need to listen to that one. That sounds like super interesting, seriously. Because a lot of that is happening even with, with what we what we believe about vaccines and viruses. A lot of people are believing stuff that factually isn't supported, but, but it's because they want to believe that. You know, it's this confirmation bias that happens. So make sure you guys tune in tonight at 7.30 p.m. Um, Catherine, thank you, says that I was diagnosed with cancer in 2016 and I've tried all I can to get cured, but all to no avail until I saw a post in the health forum about a herbalist man, oh Lord, who prepare herbal medication to cure all kinds of diseases, including cancer. Catherine. Okay. So Catherine is here peddling a herbalist. Cayman has its own herbalist, by the way. You don't have to go far to um, find this herbalist. My question is this. I think that there is place in this world to believe in, uh, you know, bush tea, as people often call it. I don't say anything wrong with bush tea. There's cinnamon teas and peppermint teas and all kinds of stuff that are known to help with stomach issues. When you get into more um, serious illnesses, um, it does become a little bit less convincing in terms of the actual evidence that's available and whether or not those things will cure anything. So what I would say is um, if this bush tea person was so effective, let's just you know go with it, go with the conversation here. If they were so effective, then surely we would have a whole list of individuals that have been cured by this person. It can't be just like a one-off situation, right? You would have a list of a substantial number of persons that have been cured. It's This is, this is my whole argument with um, cannabis. Everybody's like, oh, cannabis is fantastic. It's great, da, 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 da. I think with certain things, pain management, cannabis has a place. 
Um, is it the end all and be all to every single thing that ails mankind? Well, my simple test is if it was, we would have irrefutable evidence that it is. It wouldn't have to be someone telling you, well, there's one person all the way in Australia who's been cured of cancer by cannabis. No, if cannabis was that effective, you would have 90% cure rate, even a 50% cure rate, even a 10% cure rate would be something to talk about. So if the numbers were there in my mind to support that, I would be all in. See, Jonathan says cannabis is a cure for everything. If it were, I think that that would be something that you could not dispute. Does it help with certain things? No doubt, I'm sure that it does. Is it the cure-all for everything? I'm nowhere near convinced. There has to be data for me to believe these things. And, um, you know, I don't sit here and toot the horn of COVID vaccines without any data. If the data didn't support what I was saying, I wouldn't be saying it. I wouldn't believe it. The other red flag for me is when someone like Catherine comes on the platform and makes a comment and then I go look for her profile and I see that it's not even a real profile. I'm like, well, Catherine, who are you? Because surely if this really happened to you and if you had this story to tell, you would be more than gracious enough to share who you really are. Like, why are you hiding behind a fake profile? Carlos said that, the, um, oh, sorry. Damien says the food work and what you buy uh, with pay was better. Also the white picket fence dream. When was this back in the sixties? Carlos says it came out, had polio in the 1950s, all school children were vaccinated and it was eradicated. Do we actually have any Caymanians that we know about that had polio? Maybe they recovered from it. I would love to interview them. Now that would be worth an interview. Who, who are they? Do we know of anybody? Can we put the call out there? Anybody in Cayman that has a relative, <clears throat> a family member that contracted polio, that suffered from polio, that knew anything about it, um, let me know. Cause I would be very, very interested to hear what that was like. I had an, uh, um, for my previous husband, David Catron, I had a, his aunt, he had an aunt. Um, unfortunately, she was handicapped uh, because of polio and she had other issues as well. So she lived in an adult home facility pretty much her entire life. Um, what was her name again? Jean, Auntie Jean something. Was it just Jean? Anyway, um, she was, she was uh, disfigured by polio. That was one of the things that was wrong with her. And so, um, you know, that was uh, that was the only person that I kind of knew, but she wasn't really in a position to like have a conversation with you. So it's not like even then um, when I lived in the States, I could have interviewed her. So Nicholas says that big pharma is the problem. Imagine the effect um, on this industry if the truth came out about herbs. Listen, big pharma can't stop anybody. 
See, this is where, again, confirmation bias wants you to believe that. But think about this, Nicholas. Think about the people who are anti-Big Pharma. There are more people anti-Big Pharma than people who are pro-Big Pharma. Nobody's pro-Big Pharma except maybe some doctors who are getting kickbacks and uh, some of the, the, the companies themselves. Nobody's pro-Big Pharma. I'm not pro-Big Pharma. If you have an option of using anything else to help you with, you know, whatever ails you, I'm all for it. I am not one of those people who says pop a pill first. No, I'm like, that's the last resort. That's like me with my tennis elbow right now. Oh my God. I'm in constant pain with this tennis elbow. And the only day that I took medication for like weeks now of constant pain was on Sunday because it kind of was starting to get unbearable. Like it was really, I was in a lot of pain. So I had to finally pop two Advil's. But every day I'm like doing my stretches. I'm doing physiotherapy now. I'm going later on for physiotherapy. You know, I'm doing everything I can to not have to pop a pill. Nobody in their right mind is pro big pharma. And big pharma does not control the narrative. When each and every single one of you have um, a social media account where you can post all sorts of misinformation. Big pharma can't control you. Facebook can't control you. So I don't believe that big pharma controls anything anymore. Even within these organizations, they have people who are there waiting for them to slip up so that they can have a whistleblower putting out all sorts of information out there. So the truth of the matter is, maybe years ago, big pharma had power, but in this day and age where people can screen grab stuff, screen record, leak documents, you got WikiLeaks, you got all kinds of people who can break into um, systems and do whatever they want, Big Pharma has no power. And if your herbal medicines were working, you could write one single book that would go viral and you'd be perfectly fine. You'd be a billionaire for the rest of your life. And then people would be calling you Big Pharma. So I don't. I think people have this image of Big Pharma that they have created in their head. And honestly, um, it has nothing to do with, with it at all. This is just the truth. Your diet is extremely important. I'm going to do this 50 by 50 plan where I'm going to try to lose 50 pounds by the time I reach 50, which gives me about two years. So I got lots of time. But, you know, an anti-inflammatory diet for anyone who has chronic pain, arthritis, whatever, we know that those things work. So diet is ultra important. There's no one who's going to argue with that. What I do find interesting is that people, you know, talk about big pharma as though big pharma is like this, you know, giant conglomerate of evilness. And those are the same people that will sit down and have the worst diet in the world, who eat every starchy food in the world, who are smokers, who are, you know, they don't exercise, they, they don't do anything right. Stress levels through the roof. And I got to tell you, sometimes I just sit back and I'm like, mm, the contradictions of it all are so funny. Should we all be doing better with our health and, you know, psychological wellness and all kinds of Yes, I'm all for it. There's this guy that I follow on YouTube. He's a holistic surgeon. Um, his name is Anthony. Yon, Y-O-U-N, go look him up. He's very, very interesting. And he encourages stuff like um, fasting and, you know, things are good for you because they show that the more you do like intermittent fasting and whatever, 
um, the better off for your system. You actually give your entire body a break from eating. And apparently that helps your body heal. Um, so there's a lot that's going on in the world of health. And I'm going to share something with you guys that you might find incredibly interesting. So Jamaica is now looking at going door to door to vaccinate people. So as you guys know, Jamaica, unfortunately for them, has had a very slow uptake with the COVID vaccine. It's still probably 10% or less of their population of some 3 million people. Yes, Nicholas, uh, nothing is stopping you from writing a book. It's the easiest thing in the world now to write a book because everybody's reading eBooks, right? You can self-publish your books. You can sell them on Amazon and just show your proof. So you can write a book about anything, you can say anything, but when it comes to the medical world and proving that these things work, you need to have double blind studies. That is the holy grail of proving that something works or doesn't work. You see, there's very scientific ways in which these companies, these drug companies are forced to prove the efficacy of their drugs. You don't just wake up and be like, oh yes, this drug works, here it is, take it. Oh, my herbal tea works, just start drinking it. That just isn't how it works. So if you gotta prove it, a thousand people have taken this herbal tea for this. Here are their ages, here, I mean, you have to, listen, most of us have no clue what goes in to actually putting um, a test group together to prove that something is effective or it's not effective. It sounds easy. You know, it sounds like super, super easy, but I can tell you it's not as easy as people think. But if you are that committed to your cause, there should be nothing in the world that would stop you from proving your case. So show us all the herbal stuff that you take and how you're the healthiest person in the world you know, you're not, you have no high blood pressure, you have no diabetes, you have no cancers, all this stuff, and you can attribute it just to the herbal meds that you're taking. I think that that's what people want to see and that's what they want to hear. But you got to be prepared to be challenged. You can't just put stuff out there and says, oh, well, this is a miracle drug and this works without people going, "Mm, hold on a second now. How does it work? And who are the people that took it? And who, you know, people are going to ask uh, very, very logical questions. All right. Uh, So listen, Jamaica is saying that they're going to start going door to door. The U.S. has... um, now said November the 8th, well, they said this before, but now they're, we're getting firmer details on how the rollout for their travel plan will work. So children under the age of 18 who are unvaccinated against the coronavirus and a limited category of foreigners arriving from countries with low vaccination rates are among the travelers exempted from the forthcoming requirements for you to be able to enter the United States of America. So they're going to be lifting restrictions, but by and large, the lifting of restrictions come November the 8th will be for fully vaccinated travelers only. 
So the U.S. has had an 18-month travel ban from 33 countries, including the European Union, China, Iran, South Africa, Brazil, and India. And listen to this in terms of numbers. The industry has suffered a $500 billion billion loss caused by the pandemic. This is just the U.S. tourism industry, folks. Again, when I hear people say, oh, my God, um, you know, this was all, this was a planned pandemic. Blame it on, 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 on Fauci. And he did this and did it. I'm like, do you even appreciate what you're saying? You know, people in the world would kill you for far less than $500 billion. Fauci would be a dead man if anyone really, except for the the crazies, if anyone really thought that he was somehow responsible for this pandemic. I'm like, people need to exercise a certain amount of common sense here when they buy into these conspiracy theories. Honestly, the entire um, the entire airline industry is on the brinks of collapsing because of COVID and so much more. In New York City alone, the lack of tourists has wiped out almost 100,000 jobs and resulted in a loss of more than $60 billion in revenue. That's just in New York City alone. Right? So foreign travelers will have to show proof of vaccination before boarding and a negative coronavirus test within three days of coming to the U.S. Sounds awfully familiar. Um, for unvaccinated Americans, so now this isn't just travelers, Americans will have conditions as well. So unvaccinated Americans who want to travel home from overseas will have to clear stricter testing requirements they're gonna need to test negative for the coronavirus one day before traveling and show proof that they have bought a test to take after arriving in the US. So this is the lateral flow test. So they want them to test when they get back too. So they have a few exemptions. So children under the age of 18 who are unvaccinated. So this is all going down November the 8th. Fully vaccinated people, international travelers are able to now travel back into the U.S., Again, even for them, it has to be a World Health Organization 
or US federal regulators vaccine. Now, there are some people like in certain countries, um, because remember, there actually is limited access to the global supply of the vaccine. I know in Cayman, we don't appreciate that because we have so much of it here that people can cribble over it. In other places in the world, that's actually not the case. People are dying and cannot, they want to be vaccinated and they cannot get vaccinated. So children under, or children, sorry, older than two who are traveling with a fully vaccinated adult will need to show a negative coronavirus test within three days of their departure. Those traveling alone or with an unvaccinated adult will need to show one a day before they travel to the US. So they're tightening that window a bit. And if you're flying from a country that has less than 10% of the overall population fully vaccinated, if they can show a compelling reason for entering the US, they might let you in. So this would be Jamaica. You know, if you want to travel from Jamaica into the US, they have 10% or less vaccinated, you'd have to be able to show them a compelling reason. Now, I don't know what compelling reason means to them, but they're saying that it would apply to a narrow group of unvaccinated travelers. And in some cases you can get an emergency or humanitarian need to travel in order to cross US borders. So everyone is waiting to see how these things work, you know? Um, fully vaccinated American citizens or legal permanent residents arriving by sea or air will need to show proof of a negative coronavirus test within three days of traveling and again, if you're unvaccinated, it's one day of traveling. Anyone crossing the border between Canada and Mexico will not have a testing requirement. And uh, travelers will be required to provide their personal information for potential contact tracing after arriving in the U.S. So Moderna is on the verge of, they're saying that their COVID vaccine for children provides a strong immune response for children six to 11. They made this announcement yesterday. And they said that after one month, uh, one month after immunization was completed, children in Moderna's trial had antibody levels that were one and a half times higher than those seen in young adults. So uh, they've not yet released the full data. And remember now they're gonna actually publish it in a peer reviewed journal. So this is all part of the process of, so remember now I'm telling you with your medicinal stuff, this is what you have to do. You have to provide your data, show how you collected it, how you came about it, and um, publish it in a peer review. Where other scientists and medical professionals 
get to look at it and comment on it and basically pick it apart because that's how you know if you've gotten it right. So the Food and Advisory Committee to the Food and Drug Administration is scheduled to review data for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine in children ages 5 to 11. So the Moderna group included some 4,753 children. They got two shots given 28 days apart. They received 50 micrograms of the vaccine, which is half the adult dosage in one shot. So it seems like with the younger kids, what they're doing is actually adjusting the dosage amount, which is normally what happens. Um, so of course, you know, for the Moderna vaccine in particular, some research has indicated that there's a slight increase of a rare side effect from myocarditis. And then July, the FDA asked both Pfizer and Moderna to expand the size of their trials in order to detect less common side effects. So that's important. The trial numbers do matter. Now, when you have over 6 billion people now that have been vaccinated, you can see that the incidence of uh, myocarditis, and there's one other one, I forget what the name of that one is now, um, another heart-related thing, is so incredibly small that it is far less than what you would get if you actually caught the vaccine. I mean, the virus, sorry. So, you know, it's like you know, people who are out there pushing and say, oh, well, let me catch this virus and acquire natural immunity. And then they argue that one of the reasons why they want to be able to do that is so that they don't um, get myocarditis that argument actually makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. It makes no sense because you're more likely to get myocarditis from the coronavirus. Because one of the things that causes myocarditis is um, like, um, viruses, right? So Louis says, so it's your elbow pain. Would you consider cannabis instead of the Advil? Probably inflammation is used to educate, um, ourselves. So listen, I would do cannabis oil. I don't believe in smoking anything. Um, even smoked meats have an association with an increase in cancers. So I'm not a believer in smoking. Um, but if you have a cannabis oil that doesn't present any other side effects, then yeah, I don't mind rubbing that on my elbow. As with most things, the way to deal with the um, tennis elbow is to get to the root cause of it. What's causing it? It's overuse of my wrist flexors. Typing basically is what it is. That's the only thing that I can narrow down that I do in terms of repetitive movement. So, you know, I got my ergonomical keyboard. I upgraded that recently. And I'm doing stretches throughout the day. So I got exercises that I do, wrist flexes. And when I flex it up is when I feel it the most. It's like that muscle that runs 
the full length of the arm. That's why they call it tennis elbow because a lot of tennis players, I think, get it as well because that's the actual muscle that's used a lot when you hold a racket. Because, you know, in, in uh, racket sports, both tennis and squash, you use your your um, wrists a lot more than you than you think you do probably. Squash, you use the wrist more. That's more of a wrist sport even than tennis, but you definitely feel it when you play tennis. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm flexing, I'm doing exercising, I'm doing massage. Um, the physiotherapist, when she really got in there on last week, Thursday, she's like, oh my God, this muscle on you is so tight. So I find this happens with me all the time. When I go to physiotherapy and I have an issue, it's mechanics, calf muscles that are overextended and over tight and not getting enough stretch. I need to do like yoga or something that really does a lot of platies would probably be something I should get into. There's a lot of stretching and elongating. And when that calf muscle is too tight, it ends up putting um, extensive pain on the Achilles heel. And then that turns into a chronic Achilles issue, which I've had in my left foot for years. Um, it's not flared up at the moment, but before I walk or do anything like that, I got to warm up and I got to stretch that muscle. And I really should be stretching it every single day. But when you're not in pain, the body has a way of, ah, oh, just jump up and go. You're doing good. And then when you start to feel the pain, you're like, darn it. I should have stretched. I should have done this. I should have done that. You know, we all know some of the things that we need to do to help our bodies. And we just, it's hard to do it when, it, when you feel like it's not needed. But it's needed, right? So, yes, uh, she's working on that for me. So I actually go back to see her today. I feel like I need to see her more often than once a week right now, though for the tennis elbow. So she's working on my shoulder and my tennis elbow. Um, so she's, uh, she was in there. She's like, wow, this is really tight. Now she puts a little bit of pain on it. Cause I was like, Oh my God, that hurts. Um, you know, cause she's got to kind of put her fingers in there and really try to loosen that up. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Thank you, Jonathan. He's a proponent of cannabis, says there's decades of research. Um, well, unfortunately, the decades of research has not been done. It's not double blind, peer reviewed um, research that shows it's as wonderful as you think. I'm telling you, I have searched far and wide. So I'm open to the conversation. Show me the decades of research by any company, even European companies, because there have been some European companies that have tested it. And you know, the things that their research actually shows is that cannabis uh, is extremely dangerous for teenagers, for the, the, un, the fully undeveloped mind, which doesn't get fully developed until like you're in your mid 20s. It can lead to all sorts of psychological issues. That's what research has shown. So I'm open to, to looking at your research. So when you make a statement like there's tons of research, I'm like, hey, show me the research. I will read it. So 
So Al Ray says DEA has announced its decision to keep marijuana in the same legal. And, and let's be very clear here. Marijuana and uh, medical cannabis, in my mind, are not the same thing. So people who sit down all day smoking marijuana can't claim that they're trying to get the medical um, benefits of it. They just want to smoke to get high. That's not what medical cannabis is about. Thank you, El Ray, for that additional information. He believes that this is how Big Pharma works along with the government to suppress the access and use of ganja because they know what the financial impact would be for them. But does that stop anybody, El Ray? I mean, think about it. So Big Pharma, um, let's say that that, let's assume that that assumption is correct. Big Pharma is working with government and they're trying to, you know, say, okay, it's a controlled class one drug, whatever. Does that stop anybody from going and finding a spliff? Most, most U.S. states allow you to use cannabis and you can get that little doctor's note. It's the easiest thing in the world to get. And it is now a multi, probably billion dollar industry in places like California, Colorado. And I don't see any health, I don't see anybody in, in California being any healthier than they were pre-medical um, cannabis. <laughs> no one in Colorado is any happier or any healthier. They might be happier, but I don't see that they're any healthier. So you can't, the, the whole concept of medical cannabis, despite it being so classified as a class uh, a schedule one drug, that's to stop the Mexicans from bringing it across the border illegally. But you can legally get cannabis with a little doctor's prescription. And trust me, those doctors in the US and even Cayman will write you a cannabis prescription for anything. I have heard people going in saying, oh God, I'm trying to think of some of the more ridiculous things. And they will, certain local facilities on island will write you a cannabis prescription for anything because they're now making money off of cannabis. So the irony of it is, is the cannabis industry is now becoming the big pharma of what big pharma was. It's not big pharma in that it's like, you know, it's the doctors writing these prescriptions. They're peddling in the vapes. They're doing all sorts of stuff to make money. Everything they do is about making money. They don't care what ails you. <laughs> they're like, oh, you want cannabis oil? Great, because they know it's so popular. In fact, there have been people who've been caught smoking marijuana illegally, and then they have gone to, after they got arrested and after they got charged, they've gone to a doctor's office to get a note retroactively. Like, oh, can you backdate it for me? So that when I go to court, I can say, oh, yes, I forgot. I have a cannabis note. Okay, so Jonathan, this is my point, right? If cannabis is going to be a $70 billion market by 2025, which is right around the corner, has that now just become the big pharma of the big pharmas? Who's getting rich off of cannabis? You sit down in your backyard smoking a spliff still isn't stopping the cannabis market. It is still going full, full steam ahead. And now it's become the big pharma that you guys have been so upset about all this time. That's the irony of it. Seven billion, $70 billion, whatever it is. That's now big pharma. Isn't that ironic? But that's your cannabis that you want. It still doesn't mean that if you don't go through the right channels, if you don't go to a dispensary, if you don't go to a physician, 
to get your prescription, you just smoking a spliff here and there every single day, that you wouldn't be arrested and charged for that because that's not what the $70 billion industry is all about. It has to be regulated in some way or another. But my point is, El Ray is going to become Big Pharma with those kind of numbers. Come on now. They're going to trump Big Pharma. So someone just said, good morning. I know of an 80 plus year old woman who has prescribed cannabis vapes for overall health. Guess which local facility? 80 year old woman vaping. Seriously. First of all, she lived to be 80 for overall health. That just sounds like a crocker. You know what? Another question from a viewer says, if cannabis worked, why are they having such a problem in Jamaica? I mean, let's just be honest. If cannabis was so great, nobody would ever die in Jamaica because everybody's smoking a spliff. I'm just saying, folks, I'm just saying. All right, good folks. Um, interesting conversation as always. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, yes, El Ray, but those small businesses are getting... Um, we'll, we'll have to look into this because I want to know who's making that money. You say it's small businesses, but I'm really curious about um, who's getting rich off of cannabis. So let me see Colorado. Uh, let me see here now. Who's getting rich off of cannabis? Hmm. Well, it's already been asked. April the 10th, 2021. Um. New York Magazine, who's getting rich off of cannabis? Let us see what they say. So uh, this was a legalization of recreational marijuana for people over 21. Lawmakers and experts um, predict that the weed business will rake in $4.2 billion in annual revenue. Um, but despite efforts to ensure that this financial windfall benefits people from communities ravaged by the war on drugs, irony of it, Due to the nature of the weed industry, large sums of cash will still flow to large corporations. It's still big pharma. <laughs> They're still making their money because they have the wherewithal to set up a dispensary quickly and effectively and market it and do all this other stuff that little Joe Schmo on the corner smoking weed all day doesn't have. He doesn't even have the skills or the resources to get it off the ground. So, of course, big pharma is going to walk in there and take over. Are you going to mind buying a stick of weed from Big Pharma versus a little guy in the street? Probably not. This is an interesting article. I'll share this with you guys. Read this one. Listen, several states with equitable intentions have run up against the reality of dicey banking options for marijuana businesses. Because again... The people who control the industries are going to control big, far, big pharma, the banks, the rich and wealthy. They always are going to have the upper hand. And this is what y'all just don't understand. So even with legalizing marijuana, that's not going to help you 
I mean, you can get your little spliff and not get arrested, but is it, is it going to help you earn any money? Right? An economic empowerment plan from 27, 2016 in Massachusetts. <laughs> Here are the reality. As of 2020, two years after legal sales began in the state, zero EEP empowerment, economic empowerment plan applicants had managed to open a cannabis business. <laughs> right? Why? Because dispensary licenses were effectively auctioned off to the highest bidder by towns given the final say over whether or not they would allow sales in their communities. Hmm. Yes, because somebody comes in and says, oh, look, I can put up a dispensary that's going to be professional. We're going to have these control measures. We're not going to have drunkards hanging out, out you know, all day outside of our business. We're going to have security. We're going to have this and that, and all this kind of stuff. Little Jonathan here wants to do the same thing, but, you know, he puts together his little proposal to the town and they're like, mm, we don't think that Jonathan's going to be able to do it. We, we would trust the company that has the financial backing already and has a proven history and track record. Let me give you guys another article to read. Ca Cannabis capitalism in The Guardian. Who is making money in, in the marijuana industry? It's great to think that marijuana is going to be the equalizer for Jonathan and other disenfranchised young people, mostly young people of color, to be able to jump in there and make tons of money, but the reality is it ain't gonna happen. Right? In 2014, New Year's Day, 2014, Colorado opened the world's first regulated recreational marijuana market. It says here that the business climate for weed companies has proven immensely difficult for a number of reasons. <laughs> and you can read that article to see what those reasons are. I am all for the small man breaking into any industry, but I think you need to be realistic about um, what that means. Here's a June, 20, June 2021 article. It says, can you get rich from cannabis? Let's look at the marijuana investments. I'll share this article as well. It's kind of like someone was asking me yesterday about um, the whole uh, Bitcoin industry. Everybody wants to get in on it. Everybody wants to get rich, rich quick. And boy, there are some people who are making some money in this virtual currency. And this person said, you know, what about us? What about the little person? How do we get in? What, you know? Well, I've seen a lot of little people in Cayman tried their hand at it and they lost thousands of dollars. That's all I saw. Remember when that was a thing a couple years ago? I remember Skylar, the hairdresser. I went to get my hair done and Skylar's there. Oh, hold on one second. Um, don't make the color burn your hair because I got to go check what's going on with the, the bit currency market right now. I'm like, Skylar, shouldn't you be focusing on doing what you do best? Which is try to color my hair without making it fall off or damage it. You, you know now all about Bitcoins? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Somebody came and recruited me and they sent me this package. And so now I'm an expert looking at my computer and reading and interpreting Bitcoin markets. Okay. 
couple months later, because there are people ringing off my phone about Bitcoin, honey child. Oh, Sandy, you know so many people. You need to get in on the Bitcoin market. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, mm. as a poor person, I'm a little bit more cautious with my coins because I ain't got none to waste. So I appreciate your enthusiasm about the Bitcoin market, but I will sit back and watch and see what happens. And within a couple months, the conversation went flat. All of you who got into these pyramid schemes and signed up and did the most, tell me right now, how is your Bitcoin account doing? I want to know. You recruited a few people. How is it going? Mm -hmm. I know a few people, they don't talk about it anymore, but they were trying to recruit me heavily. And I'm just like, mm. y'all were the same people trying to do the airline business. I remember that one. When they were saying, oh, yes, you can now open up your own airline industry and you get your own airline website. I'm like, do you all not know anything about business? That doesn't make you, that doesn't make you an airline business or an airline company. Now you can start selling to your friends. And did it. I'm like, you know anything about running a travel agency business? I'm not saying that it's not lucrative, but it's not as easy as that. So everyone came out. This was a premise. All you had to do is pay $500 and you got a travel website. And because travel is a multi-billion dollar industry, you now get a piece of pie. Easy as that. And all you have to do is sign up your friends. Well, red flag right there, honey. You know what that is? That's called a pyramid scheme. Here we go again with these pyramid schemes. You can package them any way that you want. If your bottom dollar is dependent on you, Signing other people up to make money, it is a pyramid scheme and it is doomed to failure because there's only so many people you're going to be able to sign up, honey child. There was one years ago. Who was involved in that? Colin Anglin. Colin, I would like to know whatever happened to that one. That was some kind of, um, man, they even had one big time meeting at one of the hotels. What the hell was it called again? Something with technology, um, video conferencing or something. Whatever happened to that? That's disappeared too. Every single one, they they get a quick rise. Last year, we were dealing with the, the Blossom Friends and Blossom Circle. That gone quiet now too. Where's that? It's like they, they come in with a, a vengeance. Quick incline and bloop, just as quick of a decline. Uh, King says, thanks, Sandy. Always dealing with facts. I'm, listen, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm the hardest person in the world to fool when it comes to get quick scheme because I just don't believe that that's the premise on which you get quick. I mean, it just, I have done my research and I've looked around the world and it just doesn't happen. Most people make their money out of being very methodical, working harder, smarter, investments that pay off over time. There's very few things that is going to make you a millionaire overnight. And anything that comes and promises you quick return, 25% on your investment, 
It is fool's gold. I'm telling you, do not believe it. Al says, find a fool and, and, and walk them to death. <laughs> Sandra says, thanks. You're easy on the eyes with the filter. Love you, but sometimes you talk shit. Kiss, kiss. Well, um, Sandra, you yourself is admitted every Thursday you get drunk and talk shit. So, I mean, if I talk it sometimes, that means that what's, what's sometimes to you? 20%, 10%. But the beauty of it is, you don't have to sit here and listen to any of it. Personal choice, freedom. It is what it is. You can go and find someone who says what you want to hear. Because that, that isn't necessarily this program. Some of you might agree with some of the things I say. And then sometimes the cold hard truth isn't what you want to hear at all. But at the end of the day, it's my opinion. And you don't have to like it. That's why we live in a democracy, because you can hear what other people have to say and say, oh, I don't agree with that. Or, yeah, I agree with some of that or not all of it or whatever. But, you know, the world is so incredibly interesting. I know so many people who fall and pray over the years to one pyramid scheme after another. And there's certain personalities, Al, when you talk about find a fool and ride them to death, I have noticed that there are certain personalities that seem to be drawn to these get rich quick schemes because it's always the same people over and over again who are messaging me about, oh, I've got the latest thing for you to get into. And I'm like, really, again? And you know what I always say to them? Hmm. Mm, what happened to the last one that you were doing? And after I ask that question, they just disappear. Because they can't answer the question. But it shows you have a track record of falling for these schemes. And in the long run, you get a few dollars for signing up a few people. And then that's it. I'm looking back at one individual in particular who's been messaging me since 2016 and every new thing, weight loss and health programs. Oh, I ordered the tea. Here's the Nutriburst, natural products, hun. I'm like, listen, I am old enough to remember Herbalife when I lived in the U.S. child. Everybody was on the Herbalife crave. It was a rage. And y'all was selling Herbalife like that was going out of fashion. Everybody in the U.S. became a Herbalife sales agent. And man, they were organized. You saw Herbalife, um, what do you call it? The stickers, the magnets and cars everywhere. Oh, I'm a Herbalife representative. I'm this and that. I'm just like, and those are my college days. So I remember it all. And where are they now? How many Herbalife agents are still around making millions? Yeah, they kind of got in trouble for actually running a pyramid scheme, as I recall. Anyway, fool's gold. Don't be tricked. And when you get caught up, I think sometimes all sorts of people might get caught up in this stuff. When you do get caught up in it, you know, you take your losses and it is what it is. You just keep it moving, I guess. The irony for me is always that the people who have the least amount of disposal money to lose are the ones who are always quick to jump on these schemes. It's like, do you not value your money? 
Because you're the first person to jump in a pyramid scheme. No, you ain't, got, you ain't got no money. All the poor people that last year were running to sign up and get these family schemes going and taking people's money, they were honestly the least... able to actually find that money. Some of them call me crying about, oh, they, they, they don't have no money to pay bills. Then why you just gave somebody $500 or more of your money? You should have taken that and paid CUC. But again, oh, but I'm going to give somebody $500 and I'm going to make $8,000. Somehow that makes sense to me. Hmm. Let me think about that. Because in life, you've been taught that you get something for nothing, right? That's how you were brought up, to believe money falls out of the sky and just hits you, a bag of money hits you in the top of your head, that you can get a 1,000% return on your money, and that's normal. Okay. Al says, my friend's trying to get me into it. I said, I'll sit back and watch. That's what I always say, too. I said, oh, give it six months. Come back and check me in six months. If it's still popping off in six months, I'm in as an investor. And it never, I can't think of a single scheme that six months later, y'all was still excited about it. Folks, thank you guys so much for joining in today. El Ray, Jonathan, Al, uh, Miss Sue, Louis, uh, Nicholas, Damien, Carlos, everybody that was here. Sandra, Sherry Ann, Phil, Ervalyn, Vanessa, Aliano, Johan, thank you all for tuning in today. Please do not forget there's a stolen van that was stolen from Lee's office supplies. This is what the van looked like. Somebody stole it from the back of Lee's office supply in Paddington Place. Would appreciate you uh, ensuring that you Keep an eye out for this van if you see it. Contact the authorities. Hopefully they'll be able to recover this van. It's got to hurt when you do work hard. And then somebody just steals what they want from you, right? How sad is that? So it's white Hyundai van. We've got the information up on the website. Check it out, folks. Tune in today, 7.30 p.m., the HSA joins us to talk about their preparedness, which means our preparedness as a country. Um, and we'll see what they have to say. So Kevin's got that on lockdown. You guys have a beautiful day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.